and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. And I'm Josh. And this week Josh is going to be leading the episode and I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I'm sure it'll be good. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> Words of encouragement there. <laughs> Everyone's a winner on this podcast. Woo! Gold stars! <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about doppelgangers. So, literally translating over from German, the word doppelganger means double walker or double goer, depending on if you put that little pronunciation over the A in doppelganger. The concept is pretty simple and realistically could happen to anybody on this planet. Just imagine, you're waking up in the morning, getting out of bed to go about your daily routine, when you stumble into the bathroom in a half daze, still adjusting to the land of the living. You gaze into the mirror. Well, in theory, someone somewhere is also staring back into a mirror, but the kicker is that that person looks exactly the same as you. The freckles, the skin tone, the eye colour, everything. This is what would be known as your doppelganger, somebody who shares all the same physical traits as you. The BBC, British Broadcasting Company, reports that there is around 1 in 135 chance of a person having a doppelganger. Which in reality is not that far-fetched. If you live in a fairly well-populated area, you are likely to see more than 135 different people each day. In addition to this, it is said that your doppelganger will not only look like you, but despite being unrelated and potentially from the other side of the world, they will share similar behavioural traits. One study found that those who share similar facial features to the extent that they were considered doppelgangers also reportedly had similar genetic variations which would cause similar habits between the two, such as smoking, for example, through to the level of education that they have being of a similar calibre. I realise I said the word similar a lot just then. Doppelgangers are similar, so you're going to have to use that word. I could have broke the thesaurus out. (laughs) The psychology behind this is that It is also highly likely that we will have sort of unspoken bond with our doppelganger when we meet them. This will be due to the similarity in genetic makeup that I've just mentioned, which some attribute to the early evolutionary stages of mankind, whereby we instinctively grow to trust or form friendships with somebody as their appearance or behaviour is familiar to our own. However, while the science is interesting, and I could create a whole separate multi-episode podcast on the topic. That's not what we're here for, is it? No, spooky! <laughs> what we came for is to hear the creepy AF side. <laughs> I literally wrote AF, that's not like me. The creepy as fuck side of doppelgangers. <laughs> and in order to get there, we need to start with what causes this phenomenon to come with a feeling of unease. Well, according to ancient German folklore... There is a widespread belief that there is an invisible double of every living creature that roams this planet. From the smallest birds through to us humans, there is a replica of us walking among us, remaining undetected. However, it is also said that should you come across your duplicate, your demise could be imminent or you may be about to be struck with some very bad luck. Similar concepts can be found in early Norse mythology under the alternative name of Ready for a Butcher. Vardugger. So it's V A R D, and O with a strike through it. G E R. I don't know what that says, but I'm going with Vardugger. 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it is said that with this phenomenon, however, that it is not a sign of impending doom, but a glimpse into the future. As the sight of your body double will be of actions that are yet to come. Finnish writings translate their version of this phrase into a first comer. However, today we'll be focusing on the German aspect, the doppelganger. As this appears to be the most popular version of the supposedly sinister stunt double. So I have some stories to go over now that will delve us a bit deeper into the world of doppelgangers and maybe have you looking over your shoulder to make sure you don't see yourself. So I, I think that they probably are real, you know, like, but then, like you were saying, um, you're like attracted to people who are similar to you. Mm. Like a lot of my friends, we all seem to like the same stuff. Yeah. Um, or like we go, like one of us will go buy an outfit and then send it to us and then we'll say to each other, I've got that or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think it is just... You are meant to be friends with who you're friends with, because otherwise you wouldn't really have like a, a foundation to build that friendship on. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, there's always that base similarity to yeah. start with. Yeah, I get that. But then again, I think everything happens for a reason as well. So there might be a reason why there's like two of each person. So do you think that maybe a doppelganger is actually a sort of a sign from a higher power? That yeah. something's about to happen. Yeah, well, it's like we've been reincarnated again or something, maybe. I don't know. Actually, now you've just said that. Um, yeah, because it's like an impending doom and that something bad happens. Mm. So, yeah, maybe if you see it, then it's like a glitch in the Matrix type of thing. Like, you're not meant to see each other. Yeah, potentially. Well, I've got some stories to go over. And maybe they'll help explain... Yeah, I do think it's interesting. What I don't know it? much about it. I know on the Vampire Diaries that they have a lot of stories about doppelgangers in it. And they're not, like, good. Like, yeah. They're not meant to be seen together and stuff. Would you like to hear the first story? I would, yeah. So the first story is... Well, it's the man's name. And believe it or not, with this name, he is French. <laughs> Guy de Maposant. I apologise if I butchered that name as well. (laughs) So, being a writer in the mid-19th century Paris is probably something that many would consider one of the more romantic career choices. Retrieving inspiration from the vast brawling metropolis, curing writer's block with a stroll down by the river, or penning your greatest work in one of the thousands of cafes that adorn the streets. Well, this dream was a reality for Mr Guy de Maupassant. From a young age, Guy was coached by Gustave Flaubert on the art of writing. How to create a mesmerising moment for the reader by just organising different words into eloquent sequence. This relationship led Guy to form many important bonds throughout the creative world that would excel his career and inspire his works. Further inspiration was taken from Guy's love for the water. It is told that he was an avid rower and would often be found swimming when the weather allowed for it. This love for all things aquatic can often be seen as reflected in his writings. The author's most famous work was arguably his short stories. Gaining in popularity as time wore on, Guy de Maupassant benefited from a number of bestsellers which would earn him a vast wealth and a life of luxury that came hand in hand with his riches. 
However, it is during this time period of great success that we happen upon the reason Mr. de Maupassant is being mentioned in today's episode. It is told that during the writing of a short story named The Hauler, which is H-R-O-R-L-A, which was released in 1887, Guy experienced what some may consider an encounter with his doppelganger. During a bout of writer's block, de Maupassant was reclining in his office chair, searching the walls for an inkling of inspiration. His attention was subsequently diverted from the unstimulating walls of the office by a distant rhythmic tapping. This tapping was gentle and suspected to be the footsteps on the stairs. The sound of somebody encroaching in onto the frustrated author's working space. Although Guy was almost certain that his central Paris apartment was empty at this time, but then again, maybe one of the servants had stayed behind and was just bringing up refreshments before they retired for the evening. This train of thought put Guy in a place of ease, and a bit of excitement as to what delicacy may be fanning its way up to his office. The sound from the stairs ceased. Whomever was there was now on the other side of the door. Guy noticed that the handle of the door began to move. Strange, the staff always give a customary knock before disturbing their employer, but once the door completely opened, this was when de Maupassant realised that it wasn't one of his trusted team. Passing over the threshold, a man entered the room, but what sent dread into the pit of the writer's stomach was who that man was. It was himself. An exact replica of his own person was entering the office. No expression, no glance at Guy, just a steady pace and a blank face. In shock, de Maupassant simply sat in his chair, observing with caution each and every step the intruder made. Eventually, the gatecrasher halted at a chair that adorned Guy's desk. Without so much as an acknowledgement of the desk's owner, the mirrored image of the man began to speak. The words that came out of his mouth were familiar to Guy de Maupassant. In fact, they were too familiar. The imposter was speaking out loud, each thought that was coming into Guy's head as he was thinking it. This unnerving experience came abruptly to an end. After a few minutes, the figure stood from his chair, turned to the door and began that steady pace back toward the staircase. There were other alleged instances where Guy de Maupassant came into contact with his alter ego. Even to the extent that one tale recounts that the interloper would sit with Guy in a cafe in Paris, speaking aloud the words that the author was writing on a piece of paper. Those words were rumoured to be that from one of the author's final pieces. You see, not as all as it seems with Guy de Maupassant. One major point to consider was that from his early 20s, Guy had been suffering from syphilis, which isn't as commonly treated as it is now. Didn't Henry VIII have that? And that made him go mad? I'm not sure. I'm not too sure, potentially. In fact, his younger brother had died from the disease as a young man, as in those days it was not as readily treatable, like I've just said. <laughs> this illness ravaged de Maupassant throughout his adult life and would leave him suffering with excruciating migraines and ailments around his body. With this in mind, it should also be noted the following the death of his other younger brother, who had been admitted to an, a mental health institution, Guy's own mental health began to decline. This happened at an exceedingly rapid rate, and in 1892 he attempted to end his own life. 
Resulting from this incident, Gaida Mapusant was also placed into a care facility where he passed away shortly before his 43rd birthday. This could signify the downturn in Guy's luck in quotation marks, following his encounters that supposedly happened in 1887. These facts show that Guy was somebody who may have had underlying mental illnesses. A purpose, reason or possibly an explanation as to why he was experiencing what he felt or supposedly saw. One final point to be considered is that the apparent encounters happened around the time of him writing the story The Hauler, which in fact was a horror story based upon a spirit that haunts the protagonist, making his experiences progressively worse and worse to the point that he feels his sanity drifting away. This could potentially portray one of two things. Firstly, as the story was released in 1887, is there scope for this to potentially be a publicity stunt by the author? The logic behind this is that he is releasing a book that is based around the paranormal. If he were to spread a story that he himself was suffering from a form of supernatural visitor, this could spark interest from the wider public and induce sales. The second, and personally the one that I believe the most, is that this short story was the author's plea for help. You see, the story is written in a sort of journal-type style. While it isn't of Gaiden Mapusan's own personal journal, the connection could be made. It is a tale of a paranormal encounter that is progressively making the main character character's life worse and worse. Could this not be translated into Guy's personal battle with mental health? Potentially the situations getting increasingly bleaker and the apparent encounters with his double could have been mistaken as paranormal encounters as he was unable to see that he was unwell. Further evidence for this is the trail of underlying mental health issues that run in his family, namely his brother who was for most of his life what we would now describe as having learning difficulties, but who later turned violent and had to be admitted into a specialist facility. I think there are many layers to the story of Guy de Mapusant, but whether he did truly encounter his, do- his doppelganger, we will never truly know. Um, what do you think on that? I think he wasn't well, but like, how can we prove that he was with his doppelganger like, in the cafe? And it was in the cafe that he was reading like his story to him, wasn't it, that he was writing? So supposedly this, the second bit I mentioned where he was in the cafe, mm-hmm. the doppelganger was reading aloud the words that he, he was, was writing. On he was paper. penning on onto a paper of, of this story he was writing. Yeah, so I just think maybe it's like a case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, really, like. It's him, but he doesn't realise it's him. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, the film Split. Yeah. I think he's not well. And especially syphilis, if that is the one that I'm thinking of, that makes you hallucinate things as well. Mm. So I, I think he maybe is just hallucinating and he's just journaled it down in his in his book. Was it The Holler? The Hill? The Holler. Is this the one that... Yeah, that was the one in 1887 that was about uh, a haunting. Yeah, so I think he's just not been well and he's got a bit too into the book like like wrote in the book do you know what I mean? yeah yeah i don't i don't think that's a doppelganger but then we can't prove it so it might have been but who else is there any witnesses not that i know of <laughs> personally couldn't really find anything about it and because it's so old obviously it's it's like a folklore yeah 
So the second story I have for you is a presidential glimpse into the future. Oh. A name that almost every person familiar with Western world has heard of is Abraham Lincoln. Despite probably being most known for meeting his untimely demise on Good Friday 1865 while in the Ford's Theatre where a disgruntled and misguided actor by the name of John Wilkes Booth assassinated the president. I didn't know that. Did you know? No. Well, there, there you go. There's a lesson for you. Despite being famous the world over for his death, President Lincoln should also be fondly remembered for the actions he took and the trying times in which he took them. You see, when elected as president in 1861, the United States of America were not so united. The American Civil War, which raged from 1861 to 1865, was in full effect. This would eventually boil down to a Unionist victory and the dissolution of the Confederate States of America. In the wake of such unrest, there was also an immense action of justice when on the 1st of January 1863, Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, declaring that all those currently being used as slaves in the Confederacy were free and would always remain free. With that short history lesson, I'm presuming you're thinking, what does this have to do with doppelgangers? <laughs> well, if the stories are to be believed, President Lincoln was one of those unfortunate enough to encounter his doppelganger. There are seemingly two stories that touch upon the President getting a glimpse into what may be. The first was relayed by one of his close friends. In around 1855, Lincoln told his close associate, Ward Hill Lamon that he was working into the small hours and exhaustion had finally taken its grip on Lincoln, who retired to bed. Soon after reaching his private quarters, the president in the making fell into a deep sleep which initiated the dream. Lincoln continues to describe his dream from that night. There was stillness about me, as though I was present but not truly there. Muffled cries could be heard emanating from somewhere, yet it was undistinguishable from my bed. I got up to investigate the source of the sorrow, moving my way through the halls of my home. Eventually, I reached the East Room, where I was greeted with crowds of people, swathed in black garments, seemingly affixing their gaze in one particular direction. Following their sightline brought my attention to a cataphylac, which I think is how you say that, which had a body adorning it, with military men posted around it, standing guard. The body was covered and therefore unidentifiable, so I approached one of the guards to ponder who had died in the White House. In response, the guard told me it was the President, killed by an assassin. At this point, the dream was broken and Lincoln awoke. The other encounter was relayed by Lincoln to his wife Mary on the night of his first election in November 1860. He told Mary that while laying on the couch, attempting to subdue the nerves and stress that were being produced as a result of the political festivities, Lincoln happened to look into a mirror from his seat. It is thought that the mirror in reference was wall hung and therefore too high to be able to reflect the image of Lincoln lounging on his couch. What Lincoln said he saw was a figure who was almost his double. The features were all the same, the wrinkles, hair and eyes, but there was something that caused an element of concern for Lincoln, namely that this figure was much paler than he was, almost looking deathly sick. This of course caused panic for the president 
as he had seen his paler alter ego standing in the mirror, with no possibility of it being his own reflection. Lincoln's wife Mary was well regarded as something of a spiritualist, and when piecing the puzzle together, her prognosis was damning for the commander-in-chief. Mary was familiar with the folklore that surrounded seeing one's double-goer. She knew that this was a sign of early death. As mentioned, Mary Todd Lincoln was somewhat of a practicing spiritualist and had an avid interest in the occult. This may be explained away by the experiences that life threw at Mary. You see, she was born in Kentucky in the early 1800s. Approaching the Civil War period, soldiers from the state would go to serve in both sides, tearing apart families, severing ties, and leading to untimely goodbyes. As is prominent following all periods of war, it is likely that Mary may have wanted to explore ways in which she could contact her loved ones who may have perished. In addition to this, Mary and Abraham had four children. Only the firstborn would outlive Abraham. Illnesses that were common throughout the 1800s gripped the Lincoln family and brought about the early deaths of three of their children. Of course, this would send any mother into a dark place, a desperate place, where she would seek to talk to her children just one more time. Following the deaths, numerous mediums and psychics were contacted to help fill the void that had been left by the children by contacting their spirits. In Mary's eyes, this was a success, as she told of how one of the sons would visit her each night standing at the foot of her bed. So when Mary had told Abraham of what the visions of his body double entailed, he would reportedly look often for his doppelganger, keeping one eye open for any sign that the prophecy of early doom may be coming true. Any thoughts on that one? Um, that's not really a doppelganger though, is it? That's like a... It is, but I mean, like... It's more like... I don't know how to explain it. You're not like... I don't want to say like the, the mirror on Snow White. But, you know, like... You're seeing into the future. Like a crystal ball, kind of. Yeah, but there was two parts of the story, so he's seen in a dream as well. He's seen his dead body. Mm, but he didn't He didn't see them the way he died. Like, he got assassinated, didn't he, in the theatre? Yeah. But that that was like on combat, wasn't it? No. In his dream? No. He's seen an army. He's seen soldiers standing guard. Uh, I've pictured like a combat, so yeah. So yeah, I I was thinking like it was more like a crystal ball, but then when you think when you uh, reminded me of the story where he's seen the dead body, that is like a um, doppelganger, isn't it? It's like it came to him in a dream, though. It kind of warned him, but it didn't warn him that much that he could prevent it. Yeah. So from what I've read about doppelgangers, there's no set rule that that person has to be in like in. A, you have to see that your doppelganger in your awake life. Uh, right, so you don't have to see them like down the street or whatever. In person, like yeah, it, yeah. while you're awake and and whatever it might be. So, so his variation would be seeing it in a dream, although he didn't actually see his face, mm-hmm. and then seeing. But he was the president, and then yeah. So that dream was before he was a president. Yeah. And then he woke up in the White House. So yeah. some that was telling him he was going to be president. And gonna he's going to be assassinated. Mm. He didn't have any good, good luck, did he, really? No, really. Um, 
But yeah, I thought you'd have to have seen your doppelganger like in person. I didn't know that like if they came to you in a dream, it would still be the same. No, nothing I've read or came across mm-hmm. signifies there has to be. You have to be awake. Yeah. Or it has to be another person. Yeah. So you know maybe maybe you can see it. But I've got a couple of more points that I've added to the end of that story. Mm-hmm. So these sightings were when the person was under immense stress. So he's a president, he's running to be president. Yeah. He's just, he, under a lot of stress. Yeah, quite a few tragedies as well, isn't it? Yeah, so that's where his and Mary's beliefs may stem from, is desperate places. Well, I've read quite a lot that they were into a lot of spiritual stuff, weren't they? But I didn't know that they lost that many children. Hmm, yes, three children lost. So she convinced Abraham to hold a seance in the White House. Yeah. Although there was a newspaper present, and it's widely regarded that it may have been an attempt to stitch Lincoln up as like a crazy spiritualist or a crazy like occultist. Mm. So apparently the, the, the guy leading the seance was really nervous. So he would be asked questions and he would be responding in like really roundabout ways or, or trying to avoid the question or but in theory some have suggested that it may have been a newspaper at the time trying to sort of spread dirt onto his yeah onto it, his reputation or something. It tarnish his reputation. Yes. A bit more on Mary following Lincoln's death, his life spiralled into delu- disillusion. And even more so when their firstborn son the one that outlived Lincoln, yeah, yeah. Uh, Abraham, sorry, he died before Mary did. Oh. So she lost everyone then, didn't she? Really? Yeah, she basically spent her final like years travelled around everywhere. Um, she seems to have like this fear that people were coming to take her money and her health mm. away and, and and stuff like that. She was just under like someone was out to get her. So. Potentially, she wasn't well either. Maybe yeah. I know she's been through a, a whole lot, and that can obviously do terrible things to you mentally. But like paranoia, though. Yeah, she she seems to turn to paranoia in her final years. Well, to be honest, it it kind of is like someone's up together. Like she lost all her, like all the children. She's lost mm. her husband. You would think all the world's out to get me, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess you would. Especially because it's like tragic ways that they passed away. Her husband was killed. Yeah. And uh, and I'm guessing because the children were young, it would have been a, a tragic tragedy, not like just old oldness. Mm. Um, old age. Old age. Not yeah. oldness. Not oldness. Yeah. So, I guess the points I'm trying to make on that one is, although Lincoln, when he saw these visions, he may have been under immense stress, and there may have been something there that caused him. Mm. He might have been, you know, hallucinating or or something due to you know, sleep deprivation or whatever it might be. At the same time, Mary potentially is looking for things that may not be there because... She likes this stuff, then. Like, she likes... There's a difference between liking the occult and searching out yeah. the desperate desperate yeah. needs. So it sounds to me as though she's turned to it in times of desperate needs. Although she did get the folklore surrounding doppelgangers right by saying that seeing your doppelganger is a potential sign of early death. Yeah. Well, do you reckon the fact that he's seen them has brought all this quite bad luck onto their family? Do you know, like, 
Do you know, like, if he hadn't have seen that, if he hadn't have had that dream, then maybe Mary's children wouldn't have died. Mary wouldn't have felt like this in her life. Some, I think some of them died before he was present. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did, didn't they? I think so, yeah. Um, I, do, I do think that the fact that he had a dream about it and he saw it in the mirror and the mirror was like... What was it like? Wall length, so he couldn't see. Yeah, it so it it wouldn't have been his. It wasn't his reflection. So the mirror was it like we're sitting at the dining table now, and there's a, a mirror hung on the wall. I can see the mirror, but I can't see myself in the mirror. No, you can just it see will the be. Door. Yeah, exactly, and the the rest of the wall. So if I saw my face in that now, I that would not be my reflection. That would be someone or something else. I would think like like I've said before, though I would think that was more like a um, like a premonition type of thing rather than a doppelganger, but maybe, like, the two relate. Maybe. I think, though, like we've said before, if you if you play with fire, you're going to get burnt. So, like, the fact that they're getting, like, seances, they're getting, they're doing occult things, mm. it's, like, inviting it in. So maybe he's just having a dream like that. Like, a lot of people, like, we dream bad things quite a lot when we are stressed anyway, like you said. Like, we all have, like, them dreams where you're, like, fallen or whatever. Yeah, or maybe because he looked at... He, he dabbled in this type of stuff, like, seances and whatnot, that's why he saw them. Maybe it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. And just because he's more... Like, opened his mind oh, Yeah, to he's more open to... The gift. That side of things. He's been able to see that it's coming. Not in so, like, so much detail, but yeah. there's a sign that it's on its way. Well, that... That's like anything though, isn't it? Like say if you start if you start certain things, like like say you start learning Spanish. Yeah. You're gonna pick that up more, aren't you? You're gonna be more open to that. So like if someone was speaking Spanish, you'll hear understand it more. So like the fact that he's like I'm sure he was probably reading about it and re- not I can't really research can they because they didn't have internet or anything. But he's probably like he's more open to it, so like the other the other side, if there is another side, will pick up on like the frequencies that he is more open to it. Yeah. And then send him that dream to try and warn him, but they haven't. They haven't warned but him. Is properly. there a point of warning? Because if it's if it's written to happen, then it's written to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he he got assassinated, didn't he? he couldn't he? It didn't tell him how to stop it or anything. Yeah. And he would have probably spent his whole life like panicking then. I think was well read but when he got assassinated, as it mentioned at the start of the story, it was mm-hmm. by a misguided actor. So it was an actor who was in the play, and in his misguided judgment, he thought he'd be helping the Confederacy after the after the Civil War had ended. He'd be helping the Confederacy if he killed the president, oh. whereas it had already been stopped. It had already been like um, dissolved, yeah. so it, he wouldn't. He wasn't helping. He died for no reason. Pretty much. Yeah. So, on that happy note, we have a third story and a final <laughs> story. Now, this one, I took off Reddit. Oh, I love a Reddit story, though, you know. The reason being is that many of the, the, the famous doppelganger stories I come across mm-hmm. tend to be very old. So, yeah. I went for somewhere that was potentially a true life occurrence yeah because we don't know the person and also recent yeah in the grand scheme of things so this one is by reddit user i'll spell it out because i don't really get it (laughs) oh (laughs) 
G four Y F one three R one. The title is "Not You're Not My Mother." I'll leave a link for this in the description. Does it feel uncomfortable? <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the title. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that I didn't have a great childhood. I faced a lot of abuse, was under a lot of stress, and cannot, without a doubt, rule out the possibility of stress-related hallucinations being the cause of the following occurrences, but I also can't bring myself to write it off so easily. When I was nine, I stayed home sick from school. Sick, in quotation marks. I distinctly remember that I wasn't actually sick, simply playing hooky to avoid bullying. Kids are cruel. As I did that a lot around that age. I awoke from a nap, turned on the TV in our living room and scrolled through some channels when my mother suddenly leaned over the bar and stared at me without saying anything. I have been awake for a few minutes at this point so I can't rightly blame sleep paralysis for all of this. Now whatever this thing was, it was entirely identical to my actual mother. It sounds weird to describe but it's if the only difference was that this thing pretending to be my mom had never felt a single emotion in, in its life. It was unsettling, it beckoned me, and I attempted to talk to her as I would my mother. She kept beckoning, refused to answer, and that's when I sensed something was horribly wrong. The whole scenario felt disgustingly familiar, but I'll get into that later. Naturally, I started screaming at this thing to answer me. It just kept beckoning. I bolted, running out of the room and into the yard yelling for help. My mother, the real one, had been working in the yard and came rushing over. I told her what I'd just seen and she soothed me with easy explanations that it must have been a fever dream, but thankfully stayed by my side the rest of the afternoon as I was a nervous wreck. Now the whole thing was familiar because I'd seen this doppelganger before. I don't have the best memory in the world. I couldn't tell you a single other dream from my childhood, but I do remember one distinctly in great detail. I must have been six or seven when I had it, just a few years before my waking life experience with this thing. In the dream, the doppelganger stood over my sleeping mother's body I tried to wake her, somehow knowing that this was the real her, though her, they both looked entirely identical. The other mother didn't speak, just beckoned. Not knowing what else to do, I followed, trusting blindly in the way only children do. She led me down a hallway that didn't exist in my home and into a plain white room where she stood in the corner and watched expressionless, as a hulking dark shape skinned my body with an axe. Now, I may have had a pretty fucked up childhood, but this was an abnormal dream for a child my age, abused or not. I feel now as if it was a warning. Things aren't always what they look like. I often wonder about if I had never had that dream and what would happen if I had followed the doppelganger when she beckoned me. Full disclosure, I got some goosebumps as I was reading that then. Yeah, that that was creepy. You know what it reminded me of? You know Caroline? 
She has another the film. Yeah. She has another mother, and they say to they say to her, um, at first it starts off like she's perfect, like they can have um, they can have like ice cream for dinner or something, but then yeah. it ends that like you have to sew buttons onto your eyes to join that family. Oh yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that. Um, that was creepy though. Like, what what did she want? It's the skin of alive, apparently. Yeah, but what would she do with the skin after it? Does she wear it? Does she doppelgang someone else? You know, like black-eyed children, we never really know what they want. Well, on that fantastic segue, would you like to hear the two theories I have? Yes. So theory number one. Look, them, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> theory number one is it's scientifically very difficult. So at the top of this episode, I mentioned a couple of different investigations that were conducted surrounding the doppelganger phenomenon. Well, one thing that these studies did exploit was that in reality, it is exceedingly difficult to find another human that looks exact, absolutely identical to yourself, right down to the millimetric positioning of your features. There will be people that look ridiculously similar to the point we believe that they are identical to the naked eye. But these studies found that even identical twins had differences, mm. be them ever so slight, the, the difference, they have different appearances. I was just going to say that, like sometimes twins have like a freckle in a different place or something, don't they? Mm. That would mean that if you saw somebody that looks a bit like you, you may mistake them as being identical, unless of course you ask them to stand completely still for a few minutes while you measure their face. We don't really know exactly what you look like anyway. You only ever see yourself in the mirror or on a camera. That's a good point, actually. So you only ever see the reflection of you. Yeah, so that's like twist, like distorted of it as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So the person you think is identical to you would have to be identical to this distorted image that you're used to. Yeah. And uh, you yeah, see, good point. You see yourself differently to how other people see you, anyway. So. Yeah. Any more to say on it being scientifically impossible? I don't think it's scientifically... No, actually, yeah, I do think it's scientifically impossible because, like I was about to... Like I said about the twins, like, identical twins aren't always identical. There's always, like, one thing, like a birthmark or something that makes them not identical. Yeah. So I don't think you've got an identical person in another realm or... Not another realm, but on this earth, but you dream about them or you don't dream about them and you see them in the co-op or something. (laughs) (laughs) In the co-op. Okay, so theory number two. Doppelgangers are real. Oh yeah, because we have to have two. We have to have one truth from no. What what do we say? It's a well balanced argument. Yes, that's it. (laughs) But sometimes there's more than one theory. Yeah. But with this one, taking that, touching on what we've just mentioned, that scientifically it's be very very difficult to find someone who's exactly like you. Yeah. Would that not mean? That should you come across something that looks identical to you, and you've established through the rigorous use of a ruler that they are in fact your exact double <laughs> ruler, <laughs> then what are you being confronted with? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know. This is the part of the doppelganger marvel that may make or unravel the whole ideology. So let's say they are real. Are they their own species of paranormal or supernatural being? Are they something we already know about? Will the number of stories you'll come across 
mainly people sharing their own experiences on Reddit, will tell you that the doppelganger doesn't often speak. They can make an action, but don't usually speak. This leads me to suspect that maybe they can't communicate with us. Potentially, they don't communicate verbally like we do. And to me, this all screams one thing. Aliens. I was going to say that. I was actually going to say if I seen a doppelganger, like my doppelganger, and it didn't speak, I'd say it was an alien. Like I thought black eyed, we've said black eyed kids are probably aliens. So think about it. Who else could conjure up such a plan as to imitate how we look to integrate into our society under the radar? Now I will admit, I couldn't find any evidence to support this idea, but in all honesty, unlike other supernatural or paranormal topics, I couldn't really find much evidence at all or even stories from other sources disregarding the press reporting on the studies I mentioned earlier. That lack of proof may lead you to think that doppelgangers aren't real. But don't you think that's what the aliens would want you to think? So, man's just a bit blown then. <laughs> I think, like, I think you know, like in films and stuff, you know, like if, if, if like futuristic films, yeah, or like it's been like in the past type of thing, you you're not allowed to see yourself, are you? Because it could like change like the balance of the future. Or something. Yeah. So I think. That's quite similar in a sense that maybe they're like a little bit ahead of us or something. I don't know. So potentially, you think they may be time travellers? Yeah. Time travellers or aliens. Oh. Yeah, so I think maybe the time travellers or like they're us from like, like, you know, you know, if we'd done like a different path. So like, say if you, if you chose to get a, get that job or choose to stay in that relationship, it's like your doppelganger is that person. I like see. Living out your different paths. So, yeah, yeah, I get you. So I think it's more like that. That's sort of related to that theory I mentioned a few episodes ago where I think we may have already died, but we don't know we've died. Yeah. So. We could just be carrying on our day-to-day life. Yeah, the theory is sim- pretty is simple as it. The theory is as simple as, I think, when you experience a near-death experience, you do potentially die in that experience. Yeah, and then you're like, not reboot, but... But we don't know we've died. We just sort of carry on. Yeah. Which is unfounded and there's no evidence for. It's just me. You can't prove that. That's it's just probably us. just me staring into, <laughs> into the abyss one day and I thought of that. But <laughs> that I think there's something that needs to be looked into there. Someone much, much smarter than me needs to look into that. Yeah, so I think, yeah. Well, it's solved then, isn't it? It's aliens or time travellers. Yeah, or you've not done the right path or something. <laughs> yeah, or you, sh- you should have quit that job or you should have ended that relationship. Or, on the flip side, you should have stayed in that job. Or stayed, stayed in that, in that relationship. relationship. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. You're doing something wrong, either way. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Bitches. <laughs> I think that was life advice in Emma's strange, strange way. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have anything else to say on the doppelganger topic? 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 No, just that that Reddit story was creepy, and I'm probably gonna have nightmares. <laughs> yeah, Reddit's a very, very scary place. Dark hole. <laughs> it is. Well, if oh. you have any thoughts 
on doppelgangers or would like to reach out to us with any of your personal stories, you can send us an email to acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at acrossthecemetery. You can find us on Twitter at axthecemetery and TikTok at axthecemetery. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Let us know your thoughts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd also very much appreciate a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It would greatly help the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. But despite being unrelated. <coughs> so I have some stories to go over now that we will delve a bit deeper into the world of doppelgangers and maybe having you taking a... Ooh. No glance at Guy. Just a steady... Without so much as an acknowledgement of the desk's owner, the mirror image of the man begins to speak. Not like Loki. Loki's beginning to speak. I see it. <laughs> Come here then. Well, if the stories are to, belie- to be... <clears throat> the body was covered and therefore unidentifiable. So I approached one of the guards to ponder who had been... <laughs> so I approached one of the guards to ponder who had been died. <laughs> 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 Go. <laughs>